Welcome to Voices, a podcast from the Institute for Human Rights and Business. Here, we're seeking to elevate the range of perspectives on the role of business in the world and in people's everyday lives. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of IHRB's Voices podcast. On today's podcast, we are discussing the recent investigative report by Transparentum called Hidden Harm, Audit Deception in Apparel Supply Chains and the Urgent Case for Reform. The Transparentum report compiles evidence of efforts to conceal labor rights violations from social auditors in the apparel industry in India, Malaysia and Myanmar and research which indicates that audit deception is a problem in apparel supply chains. To tell us more from Transparentum, we have Andrew Kofhage and Sophie Broach. Andrew is the Interim Vice President of Strategic Engagement. Andrew manages critical partnerships and facilitates collaborative solutions to combat exploitative labour. And Sophie plans and coordinates investigations, analysing research data. And she also writes on labour and environmental violations in global supply chains. Sophie, Andrew, welcome to our podcast. Let's start with Transparentum. What is Transparentum and what does your organization do exactly? Thanks, Guna. So Transparentum is a nonprofit organization that was founded by an investigative journalist. And we aim to bring together the best of both of those worlds behind the mission to improve conditions in global supply chains. We're focused primarily on the apparel industry at present, and we investigate environmental and human rights abuses in work sites that are connected to the garment industry which so far has meant tanneries, spinning mills, and garment factories in South and Southeast Asia. We investigate endemic abuses that we find in common across a range of factories across a given geographic region. And we begin by speaking directly to workers about labor rights issues that they're facing in their workplaces. We then convey the information that we find directly to companies and to others who have the power both to provide direct remedy to workers at specific factories and also to drive improvements in the industry more broadly. What is this report really all about? So as you mentioned at the top, we recently released a report on audit deception because across multiple transparent projects, we kept hearing similar stories from workers in different factories about how their employers or recruiters were hiding labor rights violations from oversight of third parties like social auditors or the apparel brands that rely on audits as part of their human rights due diligence programs. So our report covers findings from recent investigations in Malaysia, Myanmar, and India, where our investigators interviewed hundreds of workers in about 20 garment factories and spinning mills. And we found evidence of at least one form of audit deception at most of these facilities. Work has told us about many different types of labor abuses that were hidden from auditors, including child labor, passport withholding, prohibited recruitment fees, wage and hour violations, and other similar violations. And these findings suggested to us that audit deception is a pervasive problem and a serious obstacle to identifying labor rights abuses in global supply chains. Um, And so we wanted to bring more attention to this issue and develop recommendations for how to improve. And here's a quote from page four of the report's introduction. When audits find violations, buyers may increase oversight of their suppliers or cut off a business relationship completely. Suppliers thus have a strong motivation to pass audits, leading some to hide violations by deceiving auditors. Recruiters who link job seekers to suppliers may also have incentives 
to hide abusive practices in ways that later undermine audits. And in your report, you have given a number of examples of deception of auditors and the motivation for not only suppliers, but also recruiters and even workers. While your research and investigation has been focused on the apparel sector, do you think your findings and recommendations may not be uncommon or applicable to other sectors? Yes, thank you for asking that. We really do think our report has relevance to other sectors. We think audit deception is likely to be a big issue across many different industries. And that's because there are some inherent limitations of social auditing that make it vulnerable to deception. And those are the same across sectors. So I'll give you a few examples. First, of course, audits by their very nature offer only a snapshot of conditions when auditors are present and when audits are announced in advance, which is quite common, factories can prepare to cover up problems. Another issue is that there's no transparency around audit results. So audit reports are off limits to stakeholders like worker organizations that have an interest in ensuring that they're accurate and have the firsthand knowledge to confirm or dispute findings. So that can prevent inaccuracies from coming to light. And that's why enhancing audit transparency is a key recommendation of ours. There are also conflicts of interest in the audit process that increase the risks of deception. So many auditors are paid by the local suppliers, which are the ones that hire them. So they're not really third parties. They might have incentives to be lenient, to please their clients, rather than probing deeply and finding serious problems at the suppliers they're auditing. And then suppliers, of course, also have a strong financial incentive to pass audits by any means necessary, since failing audits can jeopardize important business relationships for them. And finally, uh, social auditors don't face legal consequences for reporting inaccurate results that mask abuses and hazardous conditions. So the Business and Human Rights Resource Center actually just came out with a report that explores legal strategies for changing that. So yes, in short, the answer to your question is that we think the recommendations in our report apply not only to apparel, but to other sectors too. So what are some ways suppliers deceive auditors? For example, how do suppliers evade the detection of prohibited recruitment fees, passport retention, or wage or working hour violations, among other issues? Sure. So our investigations have found that suppliers can use a range of different methods to conceal labor abuses. Three common strategies we found were coaching workers to lie to auditors, falsifying documentation, and hiding workers who are unlawfully employed, typically underage workers. To answer your second question about how suppliers hide different problems, I can give just a few examples from the many examples we have in our report. So one way we found that suppliers hid wage and hour violations was by coaching workers to tell auditors they earned more than they actually did and worked fewer hours than they actually did. Um, an example of how prohibited recruitment fees were hidden from auditors was that deductions for these expenses were not shown on workers' pay slips, according to some workers we spoke with. And to your question on passport withholding, we found evidence of a possible scheme to hide this issue from auditors at a garment factory in Malaysia. So what happened there was workers didn't have their passports. 
they said their passports were kept in lockers in a room with a security guard, which several people said was to stop them from quitting their jobs. And some workers said that the supplier tried to trick auditors into thinking workers actually did have free access to their passports. So workers got keys to the passport lockers, but they said the keys were just for show. They weren't allowed to use them freely. A couple workers also said they were coached to lie to auditors to say they could get their passports whenever they wanted them and, and had voluntarily given them up for safekeeping, which wasn't true for them. And there is a section on workers' motivation to lie during audits. Can you tell us more about this? Sure. This, this was a finding that might seem counterintuitive, but yes, we did find that some workers were motivated to lie to auditors. These people, they felt it was in their own best interest to lie because they wanted their employers to pass audits. They worried that if buyers found out about labor violations, their factories could lose orders, which could lead them to lose their jobs. And that, of course, may have been true in some cases, because sometimes buyers do cut and run when an audit uncovers problems, rather than working with the supplier to address those problems. The report also describes falsifying recruitment fee reimbursements by factory staff. Can you tell us more about this? Sure. Our investigations found one example of how this can happen. The background for this story is that, as many of your listeners probably know, recruitment issues have been coming under greater scrutiny in recent years, including by buyers who have committed to ensuring that workers in their supply chains don't pay recruitment fees, and also by regulators, including the U.S. government, which has issued several uh, withhold release orders or import bans on, on factories where workers have paid high recruitment fees. So all this has led some suppliers, particularly in Malaysia, to reimburse workers for recruitment fees that they've previously paid. So at one Malaysian factory that Transparentum investigated, workers said staff there took steps to mislead auditors into believing the factory had reimbursed workers for recruitment fees they had paid, even though workers hadn't received these reimbursements yet. So what happened was that over the course of about a year, these workers said they had to sign a false document stating that they had been reimbursed. And later they were coached to lie to auditors about this as well. And managers warned them that buyers might cut off ties with the factory if they didn't lie about these then non-existent recruitment fee reimbursements. I should note that this story does have a happy ending though. After Transparentum approached buyers of this factory about our findings, we heard that a reimbursement plan that had been in the works was accelerated. And when we followed up with these workers later, they reported that they did eventually get their recruitment fee reimbursements. But their story does go to show how such reimbursements could be faked to auditors. And with regards to recruiters, how are workers coerced by recruiters to conceal recruitment fees payment, such as in their home countries, for example? Yes, it seems that increasingly recruitment agents are realizing that recruitment fees are something they need to hide from suppliers. Suppliers are in charge of enforcing buyers' prohibitions on recruitment fees in their supply chains. So we did find a few concerning examples of how recruitment agents were covering up prohibited fees uh, in ways that could later make it much harder for auditors and others to find out about these fees. First, we heard from Nepali workers in Malaysia that their agency had given them inaccurate receipts for their recruitment fees. 
So these receipts showed they paid the legal amount of recruitment fees under Nepali law, but they had actually paid at least nine times that amount. Second, one of our Malaysia investigations found a scheme by Bangladeshi agents to hide fees. In this case, the Malaysian supplier had actually covered the costs of recruitment and workers were not supposed to be charged anything, but the workers didn't know that. So their agents charged them fees, sometimes thousands of dollars, and then covered this up by forcing them to make videotaped statements in which they had to say falsely that they hadn't paid any fees. And they were threatened that they wouldn't be allowed to migrate if they refused to make these recordings. And then another version of this is some workers said their agents threatened them not to disclose the fees they had paid in their home country after they arrived in Malaysia. For example, one worker said his agent in Bangladesh had told him he would be detained in Malaysia if he reported his recruitment fees. Some of the recommendations in your report include increasing worker agency, improving auditing techniques, enhancing transparency in audits and remediation processes, but also for business to support worker representation and organizing proactive rights training for workers and third-party grievance mechanisms such as with trade unions, labor rights NGOs, or worker representative groups. So since the report's release in October 2021, how has the report been disseminated and how has it been received, especially with business and audit agencies? Uh, good question. So uh, the report is available on our website for any of your listeners who would like to have a look and see our findings in more detail and those recommendations that you just gave an overview of. We've also been seeking direct audiences with auditors, companies, and regulators who may rely on audits to confirm a factory's social compliance following an enforcement action. And so far, the report has been well received by all of those audiences. We have spoken with several social auditors directly about the findings in our report, and no one at all has said that our findings come as a shock to them. In general, they have acknowledged that they are aware as auditors of the problem of audit deception. We've also gotten some general agreement with the validity and usefulness of our recommendations, including from, from one auditor who publicly posted and recognized the report on their LinkedIn page. Um, and we've also gotten some positive feedback from peer NGOs um, and recently co-presented our report to an audience of investors, uh, NGOs, researchers, and others, along with our allies at Business and Human Rights Resource Center, um, who were presenting on the report that Sophie mentioned earlier about strategies for enhancing the legal accountability of the auditing for accuracy in the auditing process. One other recent phenomenon to note, the withhold release orders, as Sophie mentioned earlier, WRO stopping goods at the U.S. border. U.S. Customs have clearly identified flawed recruitment practices as an identifier of forced labor and trafficking. And for instance, companies in Malaysia have been forced to repay large amounts of recruitment fees charged to workers. And we may start to see similar demand from other governments where legislation has been passed for mandatory due diligence requirements with business partners in global supply chains. For example, the new EU legislation that may require companies to identify, address and remedy their impact on human rights and the environment throughout their value chain. Do you think such mandatory human rights due diligence requirements will have a further impact on how social audits are practiced? 
that's a good question. And I think they will have an impact on the pressure that companies are feeling to know the issues that are in their supply chains and show that they are taking appropriate steps to detect and remediate such issues. I think we would also answer this question by pointing out that these are mandatory human rights due diligence laws and that human rights due diligence goes beyond auditing. So from that point of view, I would reinforce some of the recommendations in our report around what companies should do to enhance their human rights due diligence programs, both enhancing their audit procedures and enhancing procedures that go beyond auditing. All of the recommendations in our report all essentially underscore the importance of worker agency and worker leadership in improving the conditions in the facilities in which they work. So for example, we strongly recommend that brands should communicate their own very strong support for worker organizing directly to suppliers and should insist that suppliers communicate support for worker organizing and collective bargaining down to workers. We also recommend that brands should support rights training for workers, as you mentioned, Guna, in their supply chains, so that everyone understands the treatment that they can expect at work and have an equal knowledge base for when they should be reporting mistreatment. If someone doesn't actually know what the legal minimum wage is for their job or doesn't know that they should never have been forced to pay for their own recruitment or they don't know that they shouldn't be forced to work overtime, then they don't know that they can be reporting these issues that they fall afoul of companies' codes of conduct or that there are means of remedy outside of the, the audit process. And that, of course, leads us to the importance also of effective independent grievance mechanisms that are administered by third parties in languages that workers understand. So there are opportunities for workers to report their own issues in between audits. And then our report goes on into recommendations for how to improve the audit process itself as well, with most of these recommendations also falling under the category of increasing worker agency, whether that's involving more workers in the audit process, interviewing all relevant categories of workers within a facility, men, women, migrant workers, local workers, workers from all departments, making sure that an auditor has spoken to every category of, of worker in the facility to make sure that there are no issues that are being hidden because they affect one particular group more than, than another particular group. And then there's one final recommendation that we really want to underscore, and that's transparency with audit findings so that workers, worker advocates, unions, and others can provide input and oversight into the audit process. We think that audit findings and corrective action plans should not be held as confidential, but should be transparent so that there is accountability for accurate findings and oversight of progress on corrective action plans. And with that, what can we expect as next steps for Transparentum? Next steps for Transparentum, we will continue our outreach on this particular report to companies, auditors, NGOs, regulators, and others who can use this information to share our findings and encourage especially companies to adopt our recommendations for improvement. We'll also continue with our primary mission, of course, which is to investigate human rights abuses in global supply chains and use our investigations to drive both direct remedy and systemic reform. And as we do that, we'll continue asking workers about deception that they may be aware of in their facilities. And if this continues to be a problem that workers are reporting to us regularly, we hope it won't be, but it may well be, then I think you could expect a follow-up report from us sometime in the future on additional findings related to this topic. And we look forward to hearing more on your progress. Sophie, Andrew, thank you very much for sharing with us on your report, Hidden Harm. And thank you to our listeners. 
We hope this report will be a help to business to contextualize the problem of audit deception with the work towards addressing social and environmental compliance issues in global supply chains. If it would be helpful to your work, please feel free to reach out to Sophie or Andrew at Transparentum. You can download the Transparentum report, Hidden Harm, in the link provided in this podcast description page. Thank you.